point where we celebrate the joyous coming of a king who is laid in a manger. It's really an odd place for a king to be placed. If you've just heard the story, which so many of us have probably just not heard the story. This is a story that that goes way back. A story you've heard. And so some of us were, we kind of, okay, the king of kings placed in a manger. Yeah, we've heard that story. The world, and especially the Jews, though, were thirsty for peace. When the long-awaited peace finally arrived, he was placed in a feeding trough. Let me take you back in history. There was a time when peace and harmony ruled. But that heavenly peace on earth had been disrupted and replaced with chaos. The initial peace-shattering shot was heard around the world as the first bites were taken out of the forbidden fruit in the garden. The serpent had come to steal and to kill, and to destroy the peace that God had designed for Adam and Eve to enjoy their creator. The first couple's choice to sin, it ended. It severed, well, the relationship that they had originally experienced with God. Only God could make a way to rescue humanity from their chaotic existence and restore a peace through a Savior. The Bible talks much about shalom. Well, that's the Hebrew word for peace. Shalom has deep roots and is much more than an Israeli greeting. Shalom at its core means whole. Or completeness. Shalom means this, as someone would greet you. God's highest and most complete good be upon you and everyone who's associated. May your world be full. May you experience abundant living. You see, God's peace goes well beyond a cozy feeling, a relational harmony, or even the absence of conflict. It includes a deep commitment to truth and to righteousness. God's peace is a full, satisfying, rich, and juicy fruit of the Spirit for His people and His creation. The shalom of God is abundant living along with goodness and harmony. The peace was stolen. But it still remains in the heart of God for all of his creation. God's had a plan to restore his peace and it involved a young virgin and her fiancé. If you would, you can open up your Bibles or your flat screens to Luke chapter 2. Again, a very familiar text. But if you don't have one of those, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Luke chapter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. 
And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you boldly, recognizing that you're here with us, recognizing that we're opening up your word and your message to us, a message that was given to those first tears that was absolutely shocking. But to us, Lord, thousands of years later, we've heard this story. We sing about the story. We send out Christmas cards with the story on the Christmas cards. And sometimes the wonder of what you did, the love that you displayed, sometimes, Father, we forget. Or we don't see how amazing, how great how grandiose was all of this? So, Lord, would, would your spirit be so abundantly active today? Would you open our eyes one more time to something very special? Would we take away a better glimpse of who you are and how much you care about us? 
Father, we not only pray for the folks right here, but, but we pray for all those who are celebrating in your name today. The churches in this neighborhood, in this state, and in our country and all over the world. We pray, dear God, that you would use an army of people to be your light and salt in our world today. Thank you, Father, for the blessings you've given us and, and the opportunity one more time to relook at this amazing story. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. God's story continues to surprise us. But he really surprised a group of social outcasts. God sends his heavenly warriors to a most unrefined group with a birth announcement. Shepherds, well, at least back then, were not high on the social ladder. In fact, if you could do any other kind of work, you would do it. Seems odd, because most of the time in our pageants, or at least the way that we see shepherds, it's kind of an honored bit of employment. They're not uh, the vagabonds that maybe you're hearing me talk about. But that's what it was in the first century. Kids usually didn't aspire to be shepherds. Shepherds were important but they just weren't esteemed or honored. So it should strike you a little bit that that God chose to send a singing telegram of joy to the shepherds. Now, as I was going over my message this morning, I just realized there might be 50% of you that do not know what a telegram is. All right. Now, maybe you've seen it in a movie. Like, Telegram? I don't understand this. Well, look it up if you don't know what it means. But but imagine that. A singing telegram. God cares. He wants all of mankind to hear and respond to the gospel. Even those folks that would look, well, upon as the dregs of society. God chose to give this message to them. They're important. Now let's pause here just for a moment. Let's try again just to go back a little bit and and relive this adventure. Angels appeared to lowly shepherds. The scene had to have been spectacular. First, One angel shows up. They're watching their sheep. Some of them are sleeping. Some of them are hurting. Some of them are walking around the parameters, protecting, making sure that there are no wild animals that will come in. (laughs) Whoa. The night lights up. And he gives a message. The first thing out of this angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Yeah, I get it. They're just minding their own business, folks. 
a normal night outside of Bethlehem. And an angel shows up. Yeah. I don't know how bright, but I bet bright. I don't know how everyone responded, except probably because the angel first said this, they were all scared stiff. Did they cower? Did they fall on their knees? Did they start to run? What's going on? And what happens? Don't be afraid. Now, again, I'm not so sure even those words would calm anybody down at the moment. All right? But at least that's where he starts. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Then he says this, I bring you guys good news that will bring joy to all people. In other words, you better listen. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, he's been born in Bethlehem. Now by this time, was there a pause? Were they trying to gather themselves? Were they picking themselves off the ground at this moment and waiting? Okay. Uh, All right. I, I, I hear this. I understand this. All right. And then here's the kicker. I I just want you to know he's not only going to be born in Bethlehem, all right, but the King of Kings, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, this one, he'll be lying in a manger in a stable. Now, all this started to make sense to them. All this, they recognized this was amazing. This was so cool. But then this last line. Hey, this is how you find him. This is the sign. He's going to be in a barn. Now, I don't know, again, how many little babies were born in a stable that night. But my guess is probably not many. Probably none. And how many kings were born in a barn? Zero. Because that's not where kings are born. Then, after they hear all this, a host of angels praise. It's powerful praise by a group that really knows how to praise. Almost every part that we find out when somebody goes into God's presence, especially in the book of Revelation, there is just praise and worship. And these angels of, <coughs> excuse me, getting excited. These angels have been in God's presence for a long time. They knew how to praise. I love coming here on Sundays. I love praising and worshiping our God. And no offense, Brendan, but I, I still think this might have been better. It just... Wow! Humongous! Just shouting and praising and, and a host. That's a lot of singing. And then they say this Christ in a manger brings glory to God and peace on earth. That again had to blow them away. 
How, how does that happen? How does this reflect God? How does this glorify God? How does this bring God into perspective? How do we understand more about God when we see this weak, frail, little baby, hours old? Now, babies are always cool. But Sharon and I had a chance to go see William Paola's little Luke yesterday. Honestly, I forgot how small they are. I was like, whoa! <laughs> and Luke was more than a few hours old. But this baby is going to shout who God is, how much God loves, how much God cares. And the kicker again, he's going to bring peace on earth, this baby? Now, I'm not sure if any of the shepherds had even thought of the Messiah or a Savior at that time. Like I said, the odds were against them being very educated. Maybe they hadn't even been Jewish. Maybe this was the first kind of proclamation that they have heard, but, but maybe not. But the presentation and the message had its effect. As soon as this all stopped, what happens? They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we got this, this amazing message. We are not going to stay here. Let's go find the king. So again, we don't know how many, two, three, 20, 30. I don't know how many shepherds were out there. But here they are, this group. They go to Bethlehem, and they hurry, and they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Again, how long does it take? Bethlehem wasn't that big. But every stable, running, running. Oh, no, he's not here, not here, not here. And then all of a sudden, you heard the shouts. We found him. Well, maybe it wasn't a shout because it was at night, but whatever happened, but how many? What was the scene? What did they do? They probably worshipped. Probably fell to their knees. They probably just gazed, gazed. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph around this manger and these strangers? They're all around. They're peering. Oh, oh, let me look. Let me look. Can I get on your shoulders? Can I see the king? Never saw a king. Never probably been in the presence of a king. Certainly not a king in a stable. But after seeing him, the scriptures tell us, we just read it, the shepherds told everyone. They just started telling, I met the king. You would never believe it. This is what happened. We're watching our sheep. Whoa, an angel shows up. Tells us this whole thing. We go into Bethlehem. We find the king. Oh, it is so cool. And he will bring peace to all. People. They went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. Again, I don't know what that is. I don't know if they were jumping. I don't know if they were doing summers. I don't know, but, but this was something so different. 
They were excited. And they were praising God. Now just imagine. I'm not sure where every one of you work. All right. Thank you. That is an angel in maroon. Ooh, it's even cold. Okay, focus, Rick. All right. Imagine you're at work. You're in the hospital or wherever you employ. All right? All of a sudden. Okay, picture it. Angel number one shows up. Oh, okay. Do I crawl under my desk? Maybe you're sawing a two-by-four. What do you do? You stop. You look. And then not only stops there, and there's messages to you, and everyone in your office is looking around, and everyone on the work site stops, and they're looking, and this is crazy. Then they hear about this, and they are told, and there's that whole bunch of angels showing up, and then they're all praising God, and then they leave. And what do you do? Hey, honey, weird thing happened today at work. Are you kidding? No. You're you're telling everybody, this is not casual. This is amazing. Now, again, God chose the dregs, though. Who would believe them? Who would really think? But, but the scriptures say that everyone was astonished. I sometimes think we don't talk about the manger because we've lost the wonder. We've forgotten how amazing this message is. How much God does care for us. How much God does love us. Because when we do, we start talking naturally and normally. So I asked the question, why was this message so powerful? Why was it so life-giving? A Savior was born in order to save us from the chaos of life and restore shalom. Oh yeah, I want to sign up for this. The earth and humanity were the ones who needed saving and deliverance due to shalom being in dismay and disarray from sin and Satan's schemes. What happened in a Bethlehem stable would lead the shepherds and would lead us to peace. Shalom. God's highest and most complete good that he intended for all people. It would be restored because of this. Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world, came into this world at this time to put an end to the enemy's grip on creation. Jesus was born on purpose, for a purpose. You see, the purpose of Christmas was to lead to Easter, where the perfect Son of God would wage a holy war on the devil and destroy all of its evil works that rob people of peace with each other and with God. 
Sin is the source of every conflict on earth. Jesus came to deal with sin once and all and to shine the light on the path to peace. No wonder this was good news. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 17 and 18, Brendan read the first part of Ephesians 2, but I'm going a little bit further back, and, and this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were away from him, and peace to you Jews who were near to him. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We can have peace. We can experience peace in a world that's filled with turmoil. Jesus was God's plan, a plan that was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was put in a manger. King Jesus would restore peace to the people of God who've been living while in darkness, in exile. You may not feel that. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7, Isaiah writes this, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and his peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army will make this happen. You see, the prince of peace will bring justice and will restore order. This is what all the Jews were waiting for. The world was crying out for. Because the Prince of Peace restores shalom. It restores peace between God and man. Something, as I said, was lost back at the garden. Isaiah goes on to talk about the restoration of peace to people who have been the targets of the devil for centuries and how this Prince of Peace can restore peace to everyone who puts their faith in a crucified Savior. Isaiah also writes in chapter 53, verse 5, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. You see, the cross is where our Savior made a way for peace to be experienced in the most complete and the whole sense of the word. Jesus the Savior came to deliver people from the works of the devil. The Prince of Peace made the path to Shalom possible. 
Only belief in Jesus could restore this peace to his people and to his creation. Are you starting to get a little bit of glimpse why this was such an amazing act of God? Ultimately, the way of peace leads from a manger in Bethlehem to the cross at Calvary. Jesus lived the perfect and a sinless life in order to be the perfect and sinless sacrifice so that each one of us might have our shalom restored. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, again, the apostle Paul writes, and and he says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. We have shalom with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Well, what has he done for us? He died on the cross. He spread his arms. Blood was spilt to pay your debt and to pay my debt so that enmity between God and man, or the wall that was built between God and man, could be torn down, and we could have fellowship with God and live abundantly. He goes on, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserving privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This was not an angel that decided to just kind of, well, nothing else to do tonight. Let's go visit some shepherds. He wanted the shepherds to know that they could have joy and experience shalom. And it was found in a manger. The message of Christmas is that peace was swaddled and sleeping in a trough of feed. Heavenly host broke forth in a song. On this holy night, this holy night, Jesus was born. And on this holy night, the angels sang glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased, to those who respond to God's message of grace. You see, this gathering of heavenly angels on a most holy night, well, it was more than just mere singers, more than just a great recording. They were angelic heralds announcing the Prince of Peace has arrived. First of all, to shepherds. And then thousands of years later to us. Let's pray.
Father, this was a holy night. It was an amazing night. It was a night, Father, where you, well, went to a group of people that probably weren't too esteemed. And you gave them great words of hope. Lord, you shouted from a stable that you love us. And you had a plan to restore the chaos in our world and our life. This is the message of Christmas. This is a message that never gets old. This is a message you gave us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.